0: You're listening to SaaS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SAS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
1: Join us on our journey as we
0: speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Carl Fredrik Lund, the CEO at Paperfly.
2: I think all the consolidation and all the things that are happening in the market now with AI and um, all the um, consolidation within the MarTech space, it's pretty obvious that you either have to eat or be
0: eaten at some point. Summer is here and here is a new episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. Hi Daniel, how do you feel today? I feel good. I feel good. And like, I was wondering today, like, what what is Thomas doing today? Like, like how do you spend your summer days? Well, I... I'm um, spending more and more time in my hammock. Uh, I have a really nice hammock bought in Thailand uh, that is handmade and is, yeah, it's super comfy. So that's my happy place. Mm. And um, maybe you have a happy place where you listen to this podcast. Uh, could be interesting. I mean, if you want to tell us um, what you do when you listen to the podcast, you're always. Uh, Welcome to reach out at contact at sesnordic.com or reach out via LinkedIn. It's always great to hear from our listeners. And I hope you feel also that you can be a part of creating this show by suggesting topics or speakers and so on.
1: I can see a new hashtag uh, starting to live on uh, LinkedIn
0: sassiest hammock <laughs>
1: everybody takes pictures of their hammocks yeah
0: yeah could be a good thing do you have a hammock post it
1: yep <clears throat> all right so uh we got something interesting here uh for for you uh, it's interesting for for obviously for us as well thomas we have a an exciting guest exciting topic it seems to be more of a trending topic now than ever i don't know if it's the you know the financial situation that has created it but MA is on everybody's topic either you're out there to buy, or maybe you're considering for somebody to buy you or merge with.
0: Yeah. So take the chance here and hear someone else experiences in this area. So here we go. Today, we are really excited to have Carl Fredrik Lund, the CEO at Paperfly, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So uh, welcome, Carl Fredrik. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. How
2: are, how are you today? I'm pretty fine, a bit tired though, but uh, I feel fine. I'm uh, really looking forward to this podcast.
1: Yeah. You know, it's probably a loaded question, but I got to go there right away before we go into like uh, the the general interest and so on. Like, we start with the insults. (laughs) How are you feeling being a Man United fan and seeing what Manchester City is doing?
2: Sorry, I have a really bad connection on my end. Uh, but I understand like you, you've been a big man United fan for for years, right? Yeah, since I was uh, a small kid, I actually I grew up with, with Premier League in, in the Nordics like most of us did and uh, at some point in time I really had to turn to Man United because my older brother was actually a Liverpool fan. okay So I, I, could, I couldn't support that of course. So um, and ever since I've been uh, watching Premier League a lot, it's probably the only thing I, I see on TV to be honest. okay.
1: Okay, so it had nothing to do with, uh, what was his name? Ole Gunnar Sulhwar, or anything like that? You liked him
2: even before him? Yeah, I liked him probably more before him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> did he come from the wrong Norwegian team? Uh, no, he did not. He, he, he was a great player. But, um, well, there are a couple of other managers that I would like to see in his seat. And I do see a very, very...
0: Promising manager there right now. All okay. right. Okay. So besides that, uh, what can you tell us about yourself?
2: Well, um, you know, we are a private equity back company, so uh, I don't have much spare time, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no, no. Seriously, I uh, I do have a family, of course, and um, I um, I spend a lot of time um, on uh, Alpine. Okay. I really love to be in the mountains during the winter time. I ski a lot. Uh, in addition to that I've been playing drums for several years okay uh immersing myself in various bands and uh, and musical experiences and i I find that really really interesting because there are a lot of learnings you actually can bridge from from being at the back of a band um and actually be the 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 core asset of the whole uh, uh, the whole band and, and pushing everything forward. It's like being a manager, actually. At that sucks.
1: because as a, as a drummer, you're the one that's keeping the pace.
2: Yeah, that's one thing, and, <laughs> and uh, that's one thing. Another thing is actually uh, probably the, the one that actually are not allowed to do any mistakes at all. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole band <laughs> will collapse if I am um, out of the beat. Okay, so what what type
1: of band were and what type of music did you guys play? Or maybe you're still playing, I don't know. I do, actually. Yeah?
2: Yeah. So are, are you a rocker? Uh, no, actually, for the last, uh, what is it now, almost a decade, um, I've been a part of a concept that plays um, 80s and 70s discos. All right. Nice. So it's a concept band. So... Um,
0: Actually, they should really be in in your sauces at some point. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about that. We are always looking on how we can enhance the party. So uh, (laughs) let's get back to that. Maybe we actually, Thomas, that's like, so if you're listening to this
1: podcast, now we apparently have a drummer. If you play the bass, the guitar, you know how to sing, like you have some other musical skills except percussion, let us know. Maybe we'll form... The sassiest band somehow.
0: Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. All right. So, uh, tell us more about your band. Look, uh, business wise, what can you tell us about Paperfly? Um, Paperfly. Sure. Uh,
2: Paperfly is um, a international software company. Uh, we are headquartered uh, in Norway in Oslo, uh, but we do have offices in um, eight countries. Uh, We'll normally like to say that we are a global company with a Scandinavian heritage. Um, Most of our offices is uh, focusing on customer success and and sales support, Uh, but the financial headquarters is here in Oslo and the commercial headquarters is more or less in in London. And uh, Most of our um, front-enders, back-enders and uh, UX designers, they are located in the Czech Republic.
0: Okay. And uh, what
2: can you tell us about what you do? Okay, in short, I can say that we help companies secure brand equity uh, and improve time to market um, by reducing um, uh, costs and and be time efficient. So our company is actually helping a lot of clients um, with with, um, getting to market as soon as possible with all the marketing collateral they have. And uh, most of our our um, companies can see a return on investment uh, above uh, 212% on an average. So uh, it's pretty efficient, both on the brand equity side, as well as um, saving costs and, and time for um, for all their marketing uh, efforts in the market.
0: All right. So in what way are you different than a digital asset management solution, or are you?
2: Actually, we are that um in addition to a lot of other things so what you you see in short i can say that uh, if you have a uh, dam in place you have some place to store all your assets but on top of that we have like four different products that actually can help you activate the brand because the real value of the brand assets is not in storage it's of activating it so um we have, uh, as of now, five different products that we go to bring to the market, and the DAM is just the core. This is a starting point, and then we have a module for templating. We have a module for for uh, marketing planning, and we have a module for 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 actually uh, making sure that uh, you can access uh, all the the material and make sure that you can actually see how it's uh, performing. So. Um, I will say it's much more like a marketing resource management tool in addition to a digital asset management
0: tool.
1: Okay. All right. So who do you sell this to? Like who is the individual that you ideally like to speak to and that is the main decision maker and what type of company does he or she represent normally?
2: Um, so um, what you're referring to Dan, is what we call our ICP, our ideal, ideal customer profile. Yep. Um, well, we, um, we are trying to focus on um, four different um, characteristics that uh, our companies should have uh, before we actually can call them our um, favorite ICP. Mm-hmm. It should be an international enterprise with more than 1,000 employees and with uh, focusing on more than two countries. In addition to that, we would like to see that they have a multiple brands or verticals, Uh, for example, uh, Mercedes-Benz do have um, many countries. They have uh, also multiple brands with a couple of the other brands they have, uh, like the trucks, for example. Right. And uh, in addition to the international enterprise and the multiple brands or verticals, we also would like to see them have some kind of a distributed sales and marketing model, uh, meaning that they are going from uh, global to local so if they would like to make sure that they can stay brand consistent in the different markets that they are um, operating from uh, based on the logic that they have put together uh, in the headquarter, uh, our solution is actually perfect for, for doing that. And finally, uh, we also have a, a, a clear focus on uh, how we can help large enterprises by uh, getting the, their hands on the right talented people when they're doing recruitment. So, so employer branding is also a part of our solution going forward because it's more or less the same setup as with all corporate branding. Right, uh, But we are focusing on, on the HR department in addition to the brand management department or the marketing department.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So, if we continue to look a little bit on the size of the operation. So, what, what can you tell us about the ARR in euro and the yearly growth and so on. Uh, so we
2: are north of uh, 30 million uh, euro in a ARR. Uh approximately 90% uh, recurring revenue. Um, we have seen a CAGR for the last 3 to 4 years uh around 24 25%. Are you are you also profitable? We are, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And this is as far as I can go when it comes to the figures on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. But uh, if we look at figures when it comes to number of customers and employees, what can you tell us about that?
2: Sure. Uh, we are um, pretty close to 300 now uh, employees, uh, spread all over eight countries, as I mentioned. Um, and uh, when it comes to the number of customers, we are just about 600 Uh, But we do have a long tail of small customers because uh, it varies a lot uh, when it comes to the the ARPA that we are having at the moment.
0: All right. And you mentioned that you were a private equity owned company. But what does that look like, the ownership structure and so on? How much do the PE have and how much do you have or the the founders and so on?
2: Uh, Well, the cap table is is, um, fairly simple, I would say. The majority owner is uh, Verdane. Uh, Then we have a a large um, uh, investor uh, in our um, chairman uh, and uh, our founder. And uh, the rest of these shares are um, fairly spread through the organization, I would say. Uh, We do actually have something that we call a long term incentive program for all employees. So we have like 70% Seventy percent of all our employees actually have been buying shares in the company, so that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. And um, to your question, Thomas, about myself, uh, my my share is is uh, very very small, but uh, looking from uh, from my pocket, it uh, it's a significant uh, investment as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So it can be a uh, hit up in the the mountains for some for some skiing uh you're more like a castle i hope Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. oh. <laughs> all right all right sounds good we'll follow
1: up on that in a few years then yep, please do excellent well uh, thank you so much for that and we actually wanted to dig into a little bit uh, into the whole A concept that you guys are running and we, we know you've acquired a few companies and so on and there's been some mergers and so on you're going to tell us in just a few moments mm-hmm. and actually today we just want to dig in a little bit extra into the practicalities that take place after you shake hands after the contracts are signed oh. but just tell us a little bit in the beginning like you know what has your philosophy been to m and like you know why do you do it and, and how do you use it
2: sure um well first of all I think it's very important to emphasize the fact that m is a tactic to execute strategy it is not the strategy itself so um I think many companies all like ours are uh, using the M&A opportunity to uh, um, solidify market position, eliminate competitors, juice growth, or, or generally just expand. Um, in Paperfly, we um, we do see M&A as a contribution to uh, organic growth, uh, and we do that uh, along two, two routes. Um, the first route is what we called close to core, and the other route is uh, something that we have defined as expand core. And let me just quick explain what that is. Close to core means that we either <clears throat> buy a end-of-life technology uh, company, or it could be a, a client base, uh, so we actually can migrate the clients over to our platform and upsell, upsell those clients going forward. Uh, expand core is slightly different. Uh, it could also be uh, a, a, a new footprint, a land grab, uh, but it, it uh, quite often also means that we would like to expand the core by looking into uh, looking into the to product features. It is so that it could be more smart of us to actually acquire a, a specific feature, uh, uh, so we can extend the product line rather than build it ourselves. And sometimes that could actually be cheaper as well. Right. So. That's why we are scouting along the two different routes when we are trying to find a good M&A candidate.
1: Yeah, and just to put things in perspective, like how many of close to core versus expand core mergers and acquisitions have you guys done?
2: I would say that we have um, three and a half to one and a half. Okay. Uh, Meaning that we have been focusing most on the close to core part rather than the expand core. Gotcha. And, uh, and speaking about that, it's, it's quite hard to actually find the right, um, right candidate. I mean, scouting for a m and profile is 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 almost like searching for the perfect life partner, and that's that's probably the toughest part actually. Mm. And once you find the potential match, then you dive into all the practicalities, like the due diligence process, to uncover the truth about the company. Meaning. Uh, legal, financial, commercial, and, and tech evaluations.
0: Yeah, and, and how do you scout? Because I guess there is no Tinder uh, for this. No, sorry, but perhaps that could be actually a quite cool business
2: model. <laughs> yeah. You heard it first at in the sassiest podcast <laughs> in the world. Uh, well, you see, uh, <clears throat> we do have a um, pretty good look at the, uh, the uh, market from an industrial point of view here where we're sitting but as you all know uh, we are growing i mean the whole market martic industry is, is growing very very um, um growing at a large pace a high pace and uh, i would say that uh, without the external partners when it comes to scouting it would be pretty hard actually to define the really really perfect small um interesting companies that are um that we should be able to get our hands on. So we do this via some some um, some uh, partners in the different um, uh, European countries that we are um, uh, operating from. But we have also a great contribution from our um, uh, majority owner, from Verdain. So Verdain are helping us a lot when it comes to scouting and the first phase of the whole M&A process.
1: So I have a question here. That's pro- probably stupid, but. Uh when you work with, for example, Verdane or these external parties that help you with the scouting, do you tell them like, guys, find us somebody that can complement us with feature A, B, C? Or are you that specific or so yeah, like find us somebody that can help us expand it could be in many different areas let's see what's out
2: there. I, I think it's a combination actually it's both i mean you have to view this from an opportunistic point of view as well yeah uh i mean it's like you're getting married isn't it i mean uh, your, your wife is probably a result of two things uh the, uh, the 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 um, um, <laughs> the availability uh, and the timing. Yeah, that probably describes it very well. Yes, <laughs> so I think it's it's a, it's a very important to have someone that actually can support you in that process, but because it requires a lot of time, it's a very very. Very, very uh, time consuming to do the scouting and the initial phase is pretty, pretty hard, actually.
0: Yeah. All right. So you have to have a good wingman, I hear. But uh, looking at that, uh, you, you mentioned the external parties here. So maybe you can't disclose exactly who they are, but what kind of external partners do you have, you know, around in the world If you see what I mean, is it sort of the chamber of commerce or is it a specific uh, type of consultant or is it another like investor company or what does that look like? It's more like a one-man band here and there actually. Okay.
2: Yeah. So people that actually understand the industry, uh, know the local differences in the different market that we're operating from uh, and actually understand um, how we would like to grow and how we could benefit from actually being... Uh, in a t- uh, tight dialogue with um, with the potential and uh, a candidates. All right, so but of course, uh, the in investment banking side is also very important for us. so so we do have a um, quite a tight connection with with with, uh, with some of them.
0: PR
1: and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My News is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My News makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit MyNewsDesk.com to start your free trial.
0: So, looking into the practical aspects of this. So, when you find a good candidate, what, what happens next?
2: Well, uh, if we find a um, a candidate that looks like a perfect life partner, I, I think that um, we need to figure out um, how good is this match. So that's where we're starting the the, the formal process, the, the due diligence, uh, with all um, checking out all the commercial parts, with agreements and and uh, and. Uh, And the historical track when it comes to the financial part and all the legal constraints, if there are any, and all that kind of stuff, as well as the tech evaluation. So that that will be the the four work streams that we are working along when trying to figure out if this is a good match for us. Uh, And the aim is to understand the company's strength, uh, weaknesses, and risk before we are making any business decision. So that's the starting point. Um, And during my time, we have done four... Uh, acquisitions and one merger and uh, we have used the same blueprint all uh, every time and uh, and we have learned a couple of things along the way as well because the hardest part is probably not the first phase uh, I mean as soon as we have done with the closing dinner uh, that's when the real things are happening when real stuff are happening so you can actually say that the um, the <laughs> uh, the general statement I would say is that it's quite often so that you overestimating all the upside and under investing <laughs> all the downside and pitfalls, right? Yeah. So what happens after the
1: transactions, if you could just, you know, for, for our sake and the listeners' sake, bulk it up. I don't know if there's like, you know, here are the three phases or five phases, but mm-hmm. tell us what are the key phases after a transaction?
2: Well, I think the most, one of the most important part is actually to, um, to come up with a very, very clear um, target on what we would like to achieve. And define um, a handful of different work streams, um, setting up a project management office, We're a very thorough project management office, very really, really clear KPIs. Uh, that is one of the most important things that we will do in, in, uh, in the beginning. And um, uh, I think there are... Four things that we really need to take away from, from all the MNAs that we are doing is that we need to be very, very clear in our communication, I mean, transparent and timely communications with, with employees, customers, and stakeholders, that is really, really crucial uh, to set expectations and build trust. That's one thing. Uh, another thing is that uh, we need to be very th- thorough when it comes to the cultural integration, So uh, prioritizing cultural integration and fostering an inclusive collaborative environment is very important so we can actually can help align teams and foster a positive work culture because there will be a lot of uncertainty uh, during such a process. Mm -hmm. Uh, So change management uh, is a a third um, very important uh, thing to consider and that is how can we actually uh, implement an effective change management strategy and provide support to employees during the transition so we can ease resistance and, and enhance engagement. So that's very, very important thing to, to focus on. I mean, all the other aspects is, is uh, pretty uh, uh, easy to understand and, uh, and, and figure out when it comes to uh, to what kind of um, products you should focus on? What kind of markets you can focus on? All that kind of stuff, because you're doing that in the first phase of the MA. Mm-hmm. But when um, when it comes to the uh, operational part, it's very un- understand, very important to understand how we actually should make sure that people are really enthusiastic and engaged to to move on onto the next journey, which will be a combined company. That makes a lot of sense. And <clears throat> is there any
1: any part uh, of these? four main activities or, or steps that you mentioned here that has surprised you as to how difficult it is to get it right now that you've done this a few times
2: sure um, and actually I've, I've been touching upon these uh, aspects um, in uh, in other companies before I joined um, this company as well uh, so I have experienced one thing that actually are pretty well aligned with the theory and that is that is the fact that when you're merging two companies with almost the same size, that's probably one of the hardest thing you can do. Mm. There will be so many, so much of pol- politics um, in the corridors. So uh, I think it's better uh, to actually have some differences in sizes when you are trying to merge companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are a acquiring company, uh, I think it's very important to actually um, understand what are the strategic fit and how will they uh, benefit from actually being a part of the family and how should we work actually so we can actually make sure that they will feel that they are contributing to the large group. Um, you see for example, I can, I can give you one example from Paperfly. Um, last summer we acquired the Brandpad. Brandpad is um, still a standalone and they will never be integrated into the Paperfly group but the uh, can support the lead funnel into Paperfly right. because they are uh, working towards the design studios and agencies mm-hmm. uh, and are a part of their deliverables when it comes to the branded guidelines, for example. So it's slightly different from what we do, or at least it's the starting point of where we can find our value chain. In, in, in practice, it, we have seen that they will be better off by being a standalone, uh, working very, very close with Paperfly, with the mothership, instead of being a, a integrated part of the family. So that Sometimes, I think it's very important to actually realize that as well. Okay, so you're not forcing everybody to become a
1: Paperfly company or brand pad powered by Paperfly or anything. They still keep their own identity and brand. It just, you know, ownership structure changes.
2: Um, yeah and trying to figure out where are the synergies both on the top line and of course on the bottom we're looking for that and of course day two in the office we are tattooing
0: paperfly on their back (laughs) (laughs) so is it also sort of in the dna now of the company that this is um, a fun way of growing the business because i mean some businesses they they want to grow organically with you know what they are doing with their product they they want to develop the new features uh, they want to develop the second product but i mean it seems like like you have a strategy of using mna a lot to sort of um, yeah move faster sure and um
2: as as i have already said i i think uh, it's very important to use MA as a uh, tactic to execute strategy is not the strategy itself so from our point of view we have uh, we have just acquired a French company mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's very important to actually understand the fact that it's hard to grow organically from from ground zero in in France mm-hmm. so uh, we were better off by by um, by actually acquiring a company and we can grow from 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 that point on um, so uh, from a market position point of view and from a um, product point of view, it seems pretty smart to actually do m um, and if you can do that um, smartly due to cost and, and due to all the uh, obstacles you might face when it comes to the integration later on.
1: Yeah. Mm. So <clears throat> I want to come back to, uh, again, and probably I'm going to provoke somebody now, mm-hmm. but in an Excel sheet m pretty much always look great on a piece of paper. Mm. You know, there's somebody sitting in Excel sheets like, if we do this, shabang, we're going to make more money, have a bigger market share and all of these things. And then you say, like, the real work happens, you know, after that Excel sheet is executed on the transactions. Like, sure. if there's somebody listening to this call and they're thinking, like, we're going to embark on an M&A strategy or to support our strategy, mm-hmm. what would you give us a warning or red flag to those founders and ceos like think about these things you mentioned a little bit like merging companies of same size is difficult uh-huh. but are there other elements that and difficult doesn't mean that it's a bad thing but that just take energy and time that sometimes maybe people underestimate
2: after the transaction is done from your perspective sure um you, you might be um, facing a financial strain as well. I mean, m and deals can be expensive and if it's not managed properly, they can lead to financial strain and or overestimation of, of synergies. I think that's I think that's happening a lot, actually. Uh, so that com- combined with the, the cultural clash and the employee resistance is something that needs to be taken into account before you're moving on. Right. And as you mentioned yourself, Daniel, uh, I, I quite often am hear, uh, hearing that it's very easy to do this. You only combine X, Y, and Z, and then you will get plus, plus, and plus. Yeah. Well, from from a board point of view, it, it, the world may appear that way, but at the end of the day, the the, the shit is on the management's table, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, you got to be well financed then to, to address, you know, so you don't go bust here, that because it, it sounds like it, it it's costly. It can take money to not just acquisition, but to get this actually running and so on so you need to have either a lot of cash or somebody behind you with a lot of cash you also mentioned the cultural aspect like what has been the biggest challenges there from a culture perspective and how have you handled it
2: well we have been working what what we call them and value ambassadors mm-hmm. um if you would like to have change you need to have a lot of ambassadors throughout the organization like click can uh, speak well of the um, uh, the acquisition and the well of the company and that actually can use uh, the values as glue for the company going forward. Because it's 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 like bringing different tribes to a dinner, isn't it? I mean, you, you need to actually figure out how are we going to work from here on and what we would like to achieve. So <clears throat> so I think the, the different corp- corporate cultures may collide uh, and that can cause challenges in integrating teams and aligning values and work, work styles. Uh, so it's something that needs to be uh, mapped out in the beginning and you need to figure out what is the minimum of uh, things that people can agree upon and how would we like to see a potential future together so if you can map out that that kind of vision it will help you a lot going forward
0: yeah and it's not just about cost and so on it's also time so i mean it it could also you have to stop for a while and making sure that you you get these things right, and it must takes uh, take a lot of time from you as well as the CEO when when you're in these processes. So it does, but but again, I, I
2: think we have a pretty good setup now. It will cross a lot of time, but but uh, with that said, I mean this is the part. This is a part. Uh, m and could be a part of our strategy going forward, so it needs to be uh, on on my list as well as the rest of the management team, of course. Although, with that said. Um, organic growth is still the most important thing for us to focus on so this is just a contribution yeah. um, and it needs to be that way uh, but um, I think we are in a lucky position because we have a very strong chairman, he comes with extremely proven track record um, and we do also have the backing from Verdane from uh, which holds a very, very large set of different capabilities that we can pick and choose from so without them uh, I would say that uh, it had, it couldn't be possible for us to to run a, such a uh, thorough M a process over the last four years
0: yeah sure so with good support and with good processes uh, you can make this happen yeah so um, what about tech and products is it important that you have a similar tech stack and so on to the product uh, to the companies that you merge or acquisition? yeah
2: acquire or let's mm-hmm. say a very good question Thomas and um, there are probably different point of views here but um, you could either go for um, house of brands or branded house okay A house of brands meaning that you can have a lot of different companies under a holding company or you can have a branded house which means that actually it's one voice one for firm and one platform going forward mm-hmm. so what we have been doing is a combination of that and uh, quite recently we, um, we uh, launched the um, what we call the unification of, of the company. So we have been unifying all the working processes. We have been unifying our go-to-market strategy. We have been using the different customer-facing brands to one brand uh, uh, working on the paper fly. And now we have also been unifying our product portfolio. So we were actually moving from 32 products to five products. And um, when have been acquiring different companies for quite a while, it's it's pretty obvious that you do come with different legacy, different platforms, different tech stacks and all that kind of stuff. So we have been spending a lot of time and effort now to make sure that we are one firm, one voice from a product point of view. So um, all our clients can at some point now um, feel that they can use any feature, any module in our uh, platform uh, seamlessly and it appears shiny and and. and And and, um, really, really good, actually. I I see,
1: Thomas, this is like, uh, Corfreder, we need to get your CPO or some of the product managers on the podcast to talk about how to go from 35 to potentially five products.
0: Yeah. That could be pretty (laughs) cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And don't ruin my my segue now, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What what does the shiny future for your company look like in the next three to five years? Good segue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To uh, loop back a bit uh, to the M&A, I
2: think all the consolidation and all the things that are happening in the market now with AI and um, all the um, consolidation within the market space, it's pretty obvious that you have either have to eat or be eaten at some point. Yep. Uh, size does matters. And if we are going to to follow the large brands that uh, um, are using a platform, and by the way, we have more than 100 of the largest brands in the world actually are using a platform. So we are... Um, 41 or 42, something out of Fortune 500 companies as well. So it's it's a really, really impressive client base that we are sitting on at the moment. So I'm pretty sure if we would like to evolve and, and grow with those clients, we also need to be on the front foot, making sure that we are able to, uh, to figure out what will be the next thing, next thing that we need to focusing on. So, Mm. so, so three or four years down the road, I'm pretty sure that we have been well known as one of the uh, most significant player in the brand management space in the
0: world. I'm pretty sure of that. All right. And, um, you know, we have a fantastic community listening to the show. So what are you looking for right now? Right now, I'm looking for some big changes within Premier League, and I hope that there will be some reds at the top for next year. <laughs> All right, let's see about that. But uh, another thing then, uh, maybe you can't uh, decide who's going to win Premier League, but you can have a saying in who could be on the show. Is there anyone that would make you excited if we could get them into a conversation here?
2: Absolutely. I think... Um, during these turbulent times with inflation and the pricing and all that kind of stuff, I think you should um, consider inviting someone from Elevate, uh, which is the uh, uh, consulting part of Verdain, to to talk about pricing, actually, because that's a really, really hard topic to get on top of.
0: All right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are more interested about pricing than they were maybe two years ago, so uh, we should definitely dive into that pond again we heard a joke from a pricing uh, consultant some time ago it's like
1: i can't paraphrase it or quote him exactly but he said something like the only time people want to speak to me when i'm suddenly you know interested to talk to in when there's a crisis so every seventh year
0: i'm popular (laughs) Well, it's better not not being popular at all, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And Carl Fredrik, it was great having you here on the show. Uh, interesting to hear about your journey with Paperfly. Thank you. Uh, and... Uh, Yeah, see you around in the community. Also happy to have you in the CEO network and uh, good luck with with Premier League. And
1: uh, (laughs) yeah, Keep up the good work and Newcastle is winning Premier League next year, apparently they have a lot of money now. Oops, yeah. (laughs) All right,
0: thank you so much. Take care now. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Daniel, what was your takeaways from this episode?
1: Since I obviously know you're going to ask me that, I'm thinking like, what is Thomas going to say? I'm going to try to stay away from it.
0: (laughs) Okay, I thought you're going to say, I'm going to try to steal
1: it, as you usually do. No, no, like we're probably too much alike in that sense. I don't think you would say this. One of the takeaways is obviously it's tricky and, you know, no case is, is, is like the other and so on. But I think one thing that stuck with me a little bit extra here was that he said that sometimes people overestimate, you know, the pluses in an Excel sheet are always great but in reality what he said that it actually costs a lot of money so if you're not well financed you can actually go bust it's not, not just acquisition but probably at least how i read into it it will slow you down potentially your own sales it might slow the other company that you're merging with or acquiring their own sales as well there's a cost associated with this so you need to have a financial muscle to manage through this transition process beyond just you know the price tag for the acquisition Uh, and i think it was good that that he raised that because we've seen people and heard from other people that it just you know it takes a lot more money than you anticipated right was that what you were going for
0: no yeah see boom and i'm gonna take the easy way out because i think this was a good advice and that was maybe to merge with you know, a similar size company isn't the best way to go. Even if you see that you can be you know, this powerhouse within your industry, it could be a better process maybe to find some smaller companies that could add new technology, new products, a fair amount of customers bringing you into a new market. It will be an easier transition process, easier easier to integrate and you can be faster in what you do and, and maybe do more acquisitions as well. So, I'll go for that
1: one. It's a good one as well. Good one as well. So, talking about processes, we, we have a few processes running on our end, All albeit it's the summer. We, we still keep them going. Tell us a little bit, Thomas, what, what can people expect here at, at the end of the summer?
0: Yeah, we are always, pretty much we always want to have a big project going on, right? So wasn't many weeks after we had the sassiest event here in, in, in Malmö that we started planning Sassiest Digital and, and that's actually uh, an event that is close to our heart uh, when we did it in 2021 it was the first big thing we did and we were very happy how that turned out and it was actually a reason why we continue doing this uh, full time because uh, it was very well received and in this case we have an opportunity to bring even more international speakers we can bring more speakers that might not have the time to spend two three five days down in in, in, uh, in Malmö so I uh, hope to bring a really strong speaker roster there and it's also uh, a way for you know maybe you don't have the time uh, to to um, to participate in a physical event now you can you know have the event on one of your screens and you can jump in and out in sessions that you're interested in and um, I'm also a little bit curious about what kind of social activities that we can provide because we saw with um, sassiest uh, that the social activities that we did the paddle tournament the poker tournament the the yoga and the morning run everything was very appreciated and um, We are thinking about what can we do in the digital world. Uh, And if you have any suggestions there, uh, you can reach out to contact at sesnordic.com. You can ping us on LinkedIn or something like that. There might be a poker tournament online. Who knows? Um, Spoiler alert. Okay. (laughs) Teaser. And also, I don't know if anyone here is into virtual reality. Maybe we meet there. But um, yeah, and besides that, we are going to travel around a bit. We are going to Saster in, in, uh, in, uh, in California, we are going to Sastock in Dublin. We will yeah, travel around a bit in the fall as well so we might meet you in one of these, uh, these events as well.
1: The event is going to be awesome, fantastic speakers and, and we look forward again to interacting and engaging with all of you across all the platforms.
0: So keep it coming. Absolutely. And then also we are planning for our investor day and our jobs day as well. So some more digital events coming up in November and December. So it's gonna be a jam packed uh, fall as well. So you can count on that and uh, hope to see you around and uh, have a really great day. And don't forget, sassiest hammock, hashtag sassiest hammock. <laughs> all right, take care now. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.